Hey everybody, Lon Harris here with another Panther Rants podcast. It's Monday after the whole Thanksgiving break. We're all getting back to work, especially me of course. I'm on call for the week for the hospital. We're starting tomorrow, I am. And of course, holiday shopping, all that other, all that stuff that's coming in. That makes after Thanksgiving lead up to Christmas fun. And, um, you know, I'm sure a lot of you got your Christmas tree up already. We didn't put ours up yet. Although the tradition always was the day after Thanksgiving, you put the tree up. Or at least the weekend after. But, uh, yeah, this week on the horizon, we'll be putting the tree up. Putting those ornaments, all the happy stuff. And plus the kids, you know, they want to they decorate as well. So it's... You know, for me, it's going to be more just putting the tree together and then uh, letting them just put the ornaments on. Except for maybe those aluminum bulbs I have that, that break when they fall. I have that going for me. But, um, you know, as far as um, the weekend that was pit football... And basketball. It was a great weekend for Pitt Athletics. A lot of fun stuff, and of course, a lot of other side side stuff. You know, yesterday mostly. Well, for one thing, let's start first. Pitt Miami, and of course, you know, I gave a half-ass preview of it because I really didn't care at that point. I figured they were going to lose it, but I was happy to see Kenny Pickett take the field. And the guy just rocked and rolled for those 60 minutes. I mean, he pretty much took the team on his back. And, well, not so much the team, but the offense in general. And he just made things happen. Boy, did he ever. I mean, he was throwing the ball. I mean, completing big passes running when he needs to, bowling over defenders. I mean, he's the, I mean, it reminded me of Rod Rutherford when he bowled over Jonathan, Jonathan Vilma, which, you know, which is probably one of the most overlooked moments in pit football because we always, for one thing, talk about how uh, Tyler Palco trucked a Boston College defender and how it reminded him of Palco. But people forget Rod Rutherford did all, did all that first. I mean, if anything, Rod Rutherford's probably one of the most overlooked, underappreciated, underappreciated players in pit football history. I mean, the guy, for one thing, is known for making the catch and pretty much blowing by the Penn State defense, for one thing. And, you know, he had two good years at quarterback. I mean, his, his senior year, he put up some big numbers. You know, he obviously one thing that uh, eluded him was the Big East Big East Championship, which he came close. You know, this senior year, but uh, yeah, I mean, he's very overlooked, under underappreciated. You know, I don't think we realized what what all he did in his time here at Pitt. And it's mainly because, well, for one thing, Larry Fitzgerald was there. 
and they need to have that because he had Larry and that's all you need but the thing is, is you need a quarterback to actually th- throw him the football because if you see Larry in the pros he Larry, Larry's had a share of shitty quarterbacks and a lot of times they just can't get him the ball but anyways Kenny had balls of steel and you know He just did. I mean, of course, Pitt was down 7-3 early, and uh, he scores before, before halftime. You know, he runs. He's able to run it in. Then eventually, you know, second half, Pitt pulled away, and he ran that bootleg. And, of course, you know, for me, I mean, it was fourth and five. Pitt was up 10 at that point. I figured, why not just go for it instead of kicking the field goal or let him putting let him let him see if he can get those five yards to eat the clock out. But and at the same time, the defense was doing doing so well that you really didn't have to worry if you know if, if they didn't get on fourth down. The defense was tearing them apart. I mean they were I mean that off Pitts D line pretty much dominated that game. I mean they, they were they got pressure on the quarterback. They were banging down passes. Linebackers were doing well. Secondary is doing well. I mean, Avante Maddox had a monster game. At, um, you know, for his final, what could be his final game, which is a shame because you, you wanted to see how he, you wanted to see more of him. Actually, for me, I wanted to see more of Avante Maddox. It seems like he got better as the season progressed. I mean, does he have a shot to pro? I mean, I think he'll get a chance in the pros. He won't get drafted, obviously, but I think he'll get a shot, and who knows? I mean, he may have not... Avanti Max may have not hit, reached his ceiling yet as far as potential goes. You never know. But anyways, it was a you know, great game. You know, I, I implore Pitt fans to get high and drunk because the not the numb the pain of how bad it was going to be, but really it was the Pitt... Uh, the best drug was the Pitt, was Pitt football itself. They were the drug, and they they made they they gave you the high and the great feeling, where you didn't have to. Well, you know, you can get get drunk if you want, get high if you want too. But you know, you really didn't need it at that point. But you know, it was fun to see Miami on Twitter complain about the holding calls, and ESPN obviously was rooting. You could tell ESPN was rooting for Miami because they had a lot of riding on this game. Because the ACC title game is sold out right now, and what 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 good would it be for to have an undefeated Miami versus a lone one Clemson for your title game? I mean, this was this was ESPN's dream right here, and pretty much the the media's mainstream media's dream as well. And of course, it just didn't work out. No, but I mean. Game still sold out, and I'm sure it's still gonna be a good game. So you, you got that, and who knows? The, the, the playoff rankings haven't been out. We don't know how much of a hit Miami's gonna take on this. But uh, Miami could have lost last week to, to uh, Virginia, and of course, because you know they were winning most of that game, and then the uh, Zebras came out, and pretty much Miami was starting to get, get away with a lot of stuff that. You know, they should be penalized for. Refs pretty much spoiled their whistles for them. 
But uh, yeah, we may have some college football playoff madness, and we're probably going to see. So maybe the field will expand to eight probably eventually because there's just gonna be, a lot of teams going to be left out and people are complaining. ESPN's already pushing the Ohio State narrative already. And you got some Big Ten shields like a certain person I know who uh, does some stuff with Paul Zeiss. He's still pushing for – he thinks that uh, Wisconsin should be number one because they're undefeated. And the thing about Wisconsin is they only have one top 25 win and that's it. They have – their schedule sucks. In fact, Central, if we're going to go this by this logic, Central Florida should be number one because they have more top 25 wins than, was, than Wisconsin does. But um, Bama lost to Auburn. So now we have, a, we have a thing where we could have two SEC teams in the uh, college football playoff. It, makes you want, it kind of makes you wonder if, if Bama laid down in this game for that sole purpose. Because, you know, that, that would be the most SEC thing ever would be to lose that game just so you can get two SEC teams in. So someone's getting left out. We don't know who. I mean, who knows? Clemson may lose to Miami. They, the ACC might get left out. Which would suck, but it's, it's life. But, yeah, ESPN's pushing Ohio State, and Wisconsin pretty much has to win to kill that narrative. But after they win, Big Ten's pretty much going to be left out because there's nobody that's going to want them. One Wisconsin, which sucks because Paul Chris has done a heck of a job with that team and that program since he's been there. But, uh, you know, we shall see. But anyways, Pitt Basketball defeated a Lehigh over the weekend as well, so we had that going for us. Women's Volleyball won the share of the ACC regular season title, and they're going to the uh, NCAA tournament, which is awesome. You know, good for them. I mean, that's great. I mean, I mean, I mean, they're, if they win the first round, they get Penn State next round, which which means they may probably meet their, meet their fate. But at least they're taking home some hardware. And that's all that matters. I mean, that's amazing what they've done with that program. You know, Olympic sports are, you know, are starting to come up, and that's great. I mean, that's what Pitt needs is for Olympic sports to do well. But their main money sports have to start performing. And, of course, after what happened with Pitt, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot to look, look to feel good about for next season. And who knows? You know, Pitt making a bowl, bowl game at five and seven. You never know. Although Conference USA has ten six win, te- win teams, so that may kill that. But um, it'd be fun to see the local, the local Pittsburgh media run around in circles to pick out this bowl game. It'd be hilarious, if anything. But I doubt, you know, it'll happen. But uh, as far as Padoops go, they they beat Lehigh. They got destroyed against Penn State. And they put up a decent effort against Oklahoma State. And, you know, the Penn State game, it just, you know, it just looked like they didn't want to be there. 
well, at least most of their players did. You can just see their body language. The, you know, obviously, Penn, you know, Penn State came in wanting to uh, destroy them, and they just didn't know how to react. I mean, they have to, I mean, it's a young team. They got to learn that uh, pretty much to learn to punch people in their mouths. That's what they got to do. Is learn that. Or if they're going to get a punch in the mouth, you, th- you, you hit them back or you throw two more for their one. Now we move on to obviously the fun from yesterday. Uh, Tennessee, obviously, high Graciano. And obviously, Tennessee revolted. And uh, for one, th- for me, I thought Shiona would have been a decent hire for Tennessee. But you know, but uh, obviously, my opinion's very unpopular because supposing, plus you know, because supposedly Shiona's a douchebag, and you know, I'm listening to the local radio here, and supposedly, when uh, Rutgers was in um, here in Houston to play the Texas Bowl. That was that year of the 11-2 season they had. Supposedly, Shona was a complete asshole. Is what I was told. Uh, basically, from what they're saying is, he told people he wanted no honor. He, he wasn't signing autographs, and I don't think anybody would have won his autograph, especially in the media. But supposedly, he was doing stuff like that, and you know. Yeah, that was over 10 years ago. Maybe he's learned a lot. He's probably humbled. They're focusing on his time with Tampa Bay, which was two, which was only two years. And, you know, it just, he wasn't a good fit for the pros. And that happens with some college coaches. Because in the pros, you're dealing with growth. Men are a lot more grown. Whereas in college, you're dealing with kids. Although they're technically adults. But they're um, still kids. As, you know, quote unquote. So obviously his personalities didn't mesh with some people. But I think he's learned from it, and obviously he's he's doing pretty decent at the Ohio State. And I think with uh, you know he did very well with Rutgers. I mean, people, you know, he got into Florida and was recruiting players there. He was putting billboards up, and he was and you know as far as New Jersey goes, he was keeping kids home. I mean, he wasn't keeping them all home. I mean, there were some good. I mean, a lot of good players were still leaving New Jersey, but. He was able to able to keep enough where he made Rutgers competitive. And of course made their fan base the biggest complete assholes on the face of the planet. At least in message board sense. And I think, you know, if he had been hired at Tennessee, he would have recruited the South. 
he would have went to Florida. I mean, and he would have won the Northeast too because he has those connections as well. I think he would have done. I think he would have actually been a decent hire for them. I mean, obviously, it's not the cream of the crop, but I think he would have worked out. But obviously, the uh, the mob went after him and brought up his Penn State stuff when he was just a graduate assistant there. And, you know, other than Tom Bradley, I don't know, I'm not sure if there's any of our coaches on that Penn State that you know, have really found jobs since that whole mess. I mean, I have to look it up. I, I don't know the information is in front of me, but the only person I really know that's found work has been Bradley. And he had to go, I mean, he first he had to go to West Virginia, and then uh, now he's at UCLA, but usually Jim Moore got fired, so I'm not sure where he ends up now. I mean, I talked to several Penn State people about that, about Bradley, and basically some of them told me that they, they think Bradley, should just, Bradley needs to move on with life's work and do something else. Which, you know, I don't get. Because I figured they want him to have a job. But I don't know, maybe that game has passed him by. Who knows? Personally, I would just, personally, I would just, I would, if I was Bradley, I would just stay on the West Coast. Enjoy the sunshine if you can. Enjoy the weather. But yeah, as far as Tennessee goes, they went after him. And, you know, I'll give them credit. I mean, they, you know, they did listen to him. But obviously, Shannon's not going to leave quietly. And he's going to get some money out of this. Of course, the buyout was supposedly $20 million. And I mean, if he would, if he would to get that, um, man, come on. If he were to get that money, I mean, I would, first of all, I'd make sure to get as much of that money as possible. If that, if that, that, that was the buyout, get as much as you, you know, much of that as you can. And of course, obviously your rep to the coach ever again has been destroyed. So you probably want to send your lawyers out in the belt and there's several people they can hit up for some money you know some you know you know mostly Tennessee but they could probably go after Clay Travis and you know because he was one who pushed the whole Sandusky narrative on on uh Chiano so there's a lot he can do but pretty much you know that Sandusky thing with Penn State, pretty much anyone who's been tied to that program, it's a coffee stain on a, on a white t-shirt. And the thing about it is you may have got, I mean, you may bleach it. You may do whatever you can with that stain. You may get the stain out. You obviously you will, you will get it out. But for some reason, that stain is still sitting there. I mean, it may, I mean, your shirt may be white, but you still see it. And that's just the thing with this whole, the Sandusky thing, which is why Penn State, especially you know, the fans in general, are, have tried so hard to separate themselves. Not so much themselves, but the Penn State program from what, Sand, what Sandusky does and what, you know, what he was doing. I mean, they've, been, they've tried to, you know, to kill that link and they really can't because here's the thing I mean he was still I mean he was obviously still doing this stuff when he was the coach and 
for one thing, he, I think Sandusky was was abused as a kid. Because I don't think Jerry woke up one day and decided he wanted to just start a foundation and then start abusing kids. It, it happened for a long time, and supposedly he he targeted obviously troubled kids. Because for one thing, you know if these kid if these kids were to, were to talk, no one would believe them. And that's really what happened. Nobody, nobody believed them. And if anything, they these kids are just looking for looking for trouble or a payday or whatever. That's pretty much what the what the attitude was. And and you know, obviously, you know, Pence can't really separate themselves from it because while he was doing it there, he was bringing the kid, and Danny was bringing kids in a lot and and the and the in the, in the locker rooms to games I mean he was doing a bunch of stuff so you really can't separate them you can't wash that stain out it's still there and you're seeing that anyone that's been tied to that program has, has stuck with it you know Tom Bradley for one thing who we were who we were begged who you know the local being begged for Pitt to hire as a head coach and, and I know he tried hard like hell to uh, get the job and you know, a lot of people push for it. I mean, he has a... I guess he supposedly has a relative that works for the Steelers, hence why the Steelers put so much pressure on Pitt to interview him. Obviously, he knew the writing was on the wall. But the thing about these... You know, a lot of these... These hires... At Penn State... Is that... A lot of this is on them, because... another thing because a lot of these assistants were so content with where they were working they, they love Penn State they just you know they want they didn't want to go anywhere else they wanted to work there and they were hoping Joe will one day retire and he would get the give the job to one of them and none of them were gonna we're gonna get it amazing you know surprisingly I can tie that for a fact Maybe one person in particular, but it was going to be Bradley or Larry, you know, LJ Sr. Any of those senior people weren't going to get it. There was one person in particular, and pretty much you can read between the lines of who it was going to be. It was going to be his son. But that's on them. I mean, they had, oppor- they had opportunities to go elsewhere and coach. Frank Ganner especially had an opportunity to go when he was still there. Hit his opportunities, didn't take them. As did Tom Bradley. You know, and that's that's the thing. I understand they love their jobs, but you gotta leave when your stock is high. And go move around because now look now look at you. You know, Jay Paterno can't even get can't get can't sniff a job now because he was, you know, he was at Penn State for so long. Same with, you know, that, that was the same thing with Bradley. Nobody wanted him. I mean, what, I mean, he was lucky to get his opportunity with West Virginia. But anyways, enough of that. So, you know, Tennessee obviously got what they wanted. Whereas, you know, and which somebody brought up on Twitter, you know, 
when Tennessee screamed, they backed out. Whereas Pitt, when they freaked out of their Stallings hire, the AD at the time just <laughs> told them they didn't like the hire to go root for somebody else. Amazing, isn't it? And that's what happens. I mean, that's, you know, when you have, when you have, a, when you have a big, rowdy fan base like Tennessee and a big donor base and a lot of, influ- lot of influence, those things can get done. Whereas if you're Pitt and they make a crappy hire, we can't do that, obviously. We don't have that. We don't have that type of pull because our our donations aren't obviously good, or our fan base isn't good. So they can they can hire whoever they want, and we gotta accept it pretty much. Take it like it. Which is what happened with Stallings. I mean, their our DC hiring actually was what was a hiring we actually liked. The Haywood hiring, Pitt fans hated. Because you know he came from the MAC and obviously had no relation to them. Paul Christ actually, I think, would have been actually ended up been a good hire. I mean, the the offense he he built at Pitt was you know his time there was really good. Turned out to be really good. Defense wasn't good, and of course we were stuck with the Madhouse era, which is debatable. Obviously, I think it was a combination of Madhouse and a combination of the, of the talent we had. The players obviously sucked. And that was that. But I think he would have worked out a pit. But uh, I think obviously, I think really what happened there is, you know, Barry Alvarez put a word for Paul Christ. And I think eventually when uh, Belima was leaving and he hired Anderson, he probably didn't, he probably didn't expect Anderson to be there for long, so he probably sent Paul and he figured Paul Chris would come back eventually. So I think he sent Paul Chris out to get head coaching experience at Pitt, so he could eventually bring him back. That's really what I think would happen with you know, with with that whole thing. But. Um, Obviously, it was a fun, fun. It was a fun, day, fun Sunday to watch all that explode and to see more. Oh, and one other thing: to see Todd Graham get fired was fun. I mean, yeah, I'm sure people are say it's not fun to see people lose their jobs, but you know what? Todd Graham's a millionaire. He'll be fine. I'm sure he'll find a job somewhere else. But uh, I don't know. He had a winning season this year, and they beat Arizona. And of course, the A and M job opened up, which you know they said the, you know the firing with with Graham supposedly came out of nowhere, which leads me to believe that maybe possibly you know maybe Todd Graham was was calling A and M. You know maybe he was in, maybe he was interested in that job, and the AD pretty much to avoid some sort of crap like what happened to Pitt decides to cut Todd Graham off then and there and it really wouldn't have mattered anyway because A&M's going after Jimbo Fisher and I wasn't buying Jimbo leaving but supposedly Jimbo is going through a divorce or, or I think it's already finalized and he's looking for a fresh start somewhere else, which kind of sucks for Florida State, 
because I think Florida State's a better job than A&M. Although he'll get more money and more resources than A&M, but it's a, but then the day it's Texas A&M, they they suck. They're not going anywhere. Especially with Tom Herman there, I don't, I don't really don't think that anything's going to get better for them. Yeah, I thought Kenneth Sumlin did a did a heck of a job, but just he didn't win. I mean, he won games; it just wasn't enough. You know, A and M pretty much would beat up on little. You know, early in the season would would beat up on little sisters of the poor, and then it, then when the uh, tougher games started, they would uh, show their true colors. So. In a day, he's he's going to Arizona State, which could be a decent job for him. I think probably a better fit. I mean, A&M was a good fit. He just, it just didn't he didn't win enough. So I think he I think he'll do well with Arizona State. I have no doubt. You know, mine he'll do do he'll do good. But where's Tar Graham leaving? End up next. Well, he got a twelve million dollar buyout. So he's got his options. I mean, he could go back to Rice because David Bailiff is probably going to lose his job there after they went 1-11 this year. And, you know, it's a sad development because uh, David Bailiff did so well at Rice and he had a three-year period where they went to some bowl games and they were very dominant in the Conference USA. I mean, that Conference USA is very underrated as a conference. I mean, obviously, it's not the it's not the American Conference, but now that they, now that their um, conference is not being ravished by expansion, they've been able to still win. There's some decent programs. I mean, they have ten teams or six wins or better. I mean, it's the the conference has gone tougher and. Um, you know, he was able to win Conference USA. I mean, I was at the game. I got to rush the stand, to rush the field. I mean, it was a great feeling. I mean, Rice had a really good football team that year. But I mean, it's very, it's very hard to win at Rice. If you think it's bad, hard to win at Pitt, even more hard to win at Rice. Because one thing, it's Conference USA. It's Rice. You know, admissions is one thing. It's tough. But um, that you know, after that year, they, they you know they where they won the conference USA title. They went to a bowl game the next year after that, and they, they almost won. They, they were in contention for a title there as well, but they didn't make the title game. But you thought bigger things were going to happen for them, and then they then they then they went five and seven, then three and nine, and it all just fell apart. I mean, he, I mean, the guy did really well. I mean, he, he didn't. He did really well, and. It's a shame to see what happened, but I'm not sure where Rice goes from there. I mean, there's, I mean, things are so bad at Rice right now that they're talking about dropping football and possibly going to maybe, the, obviously FB, you know, FCS maybe. That's how bad it's gotten with for Rice, and I don't understand why you, you know, Rice football has been around for a long time. I just don't see them dropping it over that. But anyways, I've given you guys a half hour. 
probably way too much time. As far as Todd Graham goes, I don't know where he goes, but I'm sure he'll be running his mouth the same way he's done all the time. Anyways, it was a great Thanksgiving weekend. Pitt beats Miami. Great feeling. Great win. And we got a pit live wire, which is awesome. And also, the Dino Beagle chain. Pit made a pit. The pit players made a gold chain. It made the it made it in the as bad as we hate the Dino Beagle. They made it look cool, for once. But anyways, enjoy your week. Hell to pit. Bye.